0: Welcome to Marari Unmuted, a podcast about music, life, and finding new ways to engage the next generation of performer and chamber musician.
1: Okay, welcome to another episode of Marari Unmuted. Episode 17! Lucky
2: 17. That's right.
1: (laughs) Today we are going to answer a few listener questions. And we're going to focus on two larger areas of our uh, brass lives today in our podcast. Uh, First, we're going to give some repertoire advice uh, for what developing brass players should be playing. And then uh, give some advice for what developing brass players should be listening to. And when we say developing brass players, we're mainly talking about high school and undergraduate level. Uh, so, we're going to kind of go round table around the ensemble and uh, each give a little bit of suggestions as to what you should be playing and what you should be listening to. Both of these questions were submitted by a band director in the Treasure Valley, Idaho, Jeff Paradis. No relation to me, just another person with the same last name. Weird. Thanks for response from the
0: episode, Jeff. Weird. Woo! <laughs> You so this it. one's for you, Jeff,
1: <laughs> and any high school and undergraduate brass instrumentalists. We also have a secret surprise lightning round question at the end that I'll save
3: for the end. Woo! Yeah, I Start love to secrets. sweat a little.
0: I love secrets.
3: The suspense. We should have a little button, like ping. Whoever <laughs> hits it first gets the answer first.
2: I can't plan my answer. I can't
3: plan my answer. <laughs>
1: All right. okay so we're gonna go ahead and dive into the first area here and that is uh what rep should developing brass players be working on to get to the next level so um we're gonna kind of go around the table but i think i'll just go ahead and summarize that we all agree that uh any brass player at any level, especially in high school, and undergrad should be studying their fundamentals. Mm -hmm. So uh, we all will probably give, you know, some book recommendations where that can help guide you along in your fundamental study. But that is something we all agree on that you should have some daily fundamental study. So I think we're going to start with the trumpets and go down the score so trumpets go ahead and take it away
2: all right great so uh yeah like uh sarah said obviously there's some fundamentals so Peyton and i are going to tell you uh, sort of our favorite books love it that we use for our fundamentals ready back and forth buddy here we ready? go uh, okay clark technical
0: studies goldman i love that book Arbins. why'd you have to drop the big one like that <laughs> first <laughs> look man <everybody's laughs> you could be like arbenz and like knock four or five different things that find violin flexibility Oh, okay. See, I like the
2: the new Scott Belk books that are like modern flexibilities and progressive good flexibility. This is
3: what you should do. We should go one, two, three, and then you should both answer. Oh, I brought paper scissors.
0: All right, let's. Okay, Matt, favorite um favorite etude book. Ready? One, two, three. Charlier. Charlier. Oh, look at us! Oh, Oh.
3: oh. (laughs) (laughs) we're horrible.
2: That one's a little bit more advanced, though. It is. I would say for younger folks, you've got your Voxman Selecteds, and you've got your um. Uh, 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 worm, <laughs> verm. Uh, <laughs> those ones are all really good. Uh, we use some horn books too, like the Maxime Alphonse mm. Those are good. I use and the Bordoni the books.
0: I, all uh, copra, yeah, the Bordoni slash copra stuff and
2: Conconi,
0: yeah, Conconi, yes, really Conconi Jesse, so, yeah.
2: So, so look, those are all just books that you can play out of. So like, and 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 if you get the list of like, if you just start getting the books that Peyton and I listed, you will have the books that you need for all four years of your undergrad.
0: And that's no, that's no joke. Like no honestly, joke. like most, most uh, I know, trumpet professors around the country use those books exclusively, and we're not throwing out individual ones that are just like for our specific programs. These are like almost universally used.
2: Yeah, and you will use them for the rest of your life as well. Forever. I still play, uh, I, I have most of them <laughs> memorized at this point, but we still play from them. So now if you're talking about, let's talk about the fun stuff, Peyton's favorite stuff, solo repertoire. I love it. Oh. And now now for, for, I'm sure Peyton, you feel the same way. I think when you're choosing repertoire, you have to choose something that pushes you just enough Mm -hmm. that you are still learning and you're still growing and you're still stretching, but it is within your capability to knock it out of the park. 100%. Um, I really don't believe in getting something that is so insanely hard um, that you, you just don't have a chance to play it really well until, you know, for years and years and years, like, Build up with some really amazing performance experiences with some easier reps. So what I generally start people on your 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 uh, ballet prelude ballade yes. or the barat or row parts, the andante allegros the
0: the uh, petite piece ballet as well. Yes. Oh, that's such a yes. good one. Yes.
2: That's a good one. So uh, th- those are those are nice pieces uh, for some Amer- good old American music. You can play like uh, <laughs> Trumpeter's Lullaby is. A Why did you one.
0: immediately go to the, like like Southern accent? Are you trying to say some American music?
2: Mar- no, American music. You're from Virginia. I <laughs> am. I it's okay. Louisiana.
0: it's fine. And the I accent comes you. out a little bit more, you know, as the um, day goes on.
2: And then uh, and then from there we can continue through some of that French conservatory repertoire and. Uh, there's like a Tomei fantasy, and then you get into the Bozza pieces, and there's the Charlier solo de concours. You get this stuff, and then we can get in at that point for me. I really start diving into the major sonatas and concertos. So, Peyton, top three sonatas and concertos. Holy
0: crap. All right. for
2: undergraduates or <sighs> advanced high school students
0: that i mean that, that that's the huge stipulation because like for me when i assign solos for students i i'm pushing them on two levels i want to make sure they have technical things that they're trying to develop and each semester like we try to pick one or two skills that we know they're very weak in yeah um and we try to improve those like a lot of times most most of the time for early students it's like double tonguing triple tonguing what pieces have those solos that are not going to really push them beyond like either endurance or whatever it is um but trying to pick pieces that we get them taken care of very easily. Um, I do like a lot of Clark's. Some Clark's are very easy for us to take care of on that let regard. Uh, I think the Oasis is a very good uh, piece to kind of get us to, when talking about flow and then having angular stuff, especially training your ear a little bit, um, and just the good old fashioned Artunian man. Like that that, that sucker has like endurance. It's double tonguing lyrical stuff. It's kind of like a wham-bam. You know, knock a bunch of things out.
2: Yeah, and the only the last thing I'll say is just make sure you're not only using range mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a as the guide for how you pick music. Hundred um, percent. Because like the Hindemith doesn't go above the Hindemith Sonata doesn't go above a B, a B, concert yeah. A, but it is a really serious piece Holy that you crap. should not just like take lightly. You need Correct. to be able to really do some uh, finesse type stuff to be able to do that. So all right, trumpets out. Done. Drop way to mark, go guys expensive. that
3: was awesome we should definitely do that rock paper scissors all the time oh can you hear me am i muted somehow hello hi hello can Thanks you hear for me joining the podcast oh that's weird i don't know what happened <laughs> i was talking <laughs> the whole time <laughs> i don't
0: know I'll, I'll decide later i'll see if can podcast. you hear
3: me what's happening <laughs> okay so um we're talking about rep So I think, obviously, fundamentals, and there are several routines out there that focus on those things. For me, I basically think about the T's. So there's tone, tongue, tune, timing, and telling stories. So we learn how to play with all different types of sounds, all different types of articulations, um, all different types of musical phrasing, how do we create dynamic contrast, things like that. Um, and of course, doing that with all within a specific timing because it will always be in a specific timing. And you learn all different variants of those so that we can tell really interesting stories. So, any sort of routine, and I like to call it a routine rather than a warm up, it only takes 40 seconds to warm up muscles. So, it's not a warm up, it's a routine. It's I'm working on these fundamentals every day to expand the range of those fundamentals and also to get better at them and have better control and understanding of how they work. Right? When I play my instrument, I don't wanna leave anything to chance. <laughs> I want it to be black and white, do this or do this, right? And then then when I go in and I'm, if I'm not feeling optimal, I know, okay, I need to take 20% off or I know I can only play this soft here, right? It just, it just makes it a little bit easier, I think, to manage um, in a not optimal or even optimal, obviously, situation if I know exactly what to do. So I'm a real big fundamentals person. I did not get that a ton in my undergrad. In fact, it wasn't really till I started studying with Jeff which was Jeff Nelson after my doctorate, that I really started to focus on fundamentals, and I think that's when I became a better horn player. Um, so fundamentals are great, and there's a ton of exercise. Jeff Nelson has one. Marty Hackleman has one. Um, there are tons and tons um, of those available. Freitas um, has one. So there's tons of those that you can look at. You can even make up your own, which is the best part. So... If i'm working on sound what kind of things do i want to do if i'm working articulations you can make up your own patterns you can take things from solo rep that you're working on and incorporate them every day so be creative um, and especially as a teacher a public school teacher there's not a ton of fundamental rep for little kids you could write your own book and make some things up um, and get really good at that um, as far as etude books you guys mentioned a ton of them conconi my favorite i make all of my students I've, i'm already on my third book of that because i've used it so much the pages started falling out i play it every single day i thought conconi. you were like i
0: keep buying it hoping you will change like no. on the third book <laughs> look there's a prize in one of them like willie <laughs> walker in the chocolate factory you're gonna find a golden ticket in one of them true oh
3: my god like, that would be oh, amazing no, there's a volume right three? Oh, no. <laughs> no there's a second volume <laughs> um but that's it's a really great book i mean and the thing is is when i'm finding people to work on fundamentals especially things like sound I don't want to have to be worried about a ton of notes. I don't want to have to be worried about a ton of different articulation patterns. I just want to be able to focus on the skill of how do I stay in this most beautiful sound. Um, So it allows me to work on skills rather than working on notes and rhythms, which I think is really, really important. Um, as far as some more technical things, things like Maxime Alphonse, uh, there are six books there. There's a ton of work to be done. Um, certainly Coprush, Galet, um, that goes way back to the Paris Conservatory. So that's really great stuff to work on. Barbato is a really good one for more modern etudes that don't necessarily follow predictable cadences or tonality um, or key areas um, or even rhythms I think that stuff's really good. And they're not there's a couple of books of those. Um, they start less challenging and get they're progressive, of course, so they get more difficult, but those are great ones to use. Um, if you're more advanced things like the Vern Reynolds, you know, I remember like reading that I was like, if I can make it through this whole book, I'm gonna be the best horn player on the planet, because this book is <laughs> really hard. And the funny thing is the book is pink. So we used to call it the pink dragon because it was really, really difficult to be able to play through. But I think those are those are great books. Um certainly like I said, Coprush. All that stuff is really belowly. All that stuff, I think, is really, really standard repertoire for... I feel um, that horn. way,
0: Jesse, about most of Verminal's pieces. If I can make it through this, it's I'm going to be, gonna be it's so true. good.
3: It's true. Yeah, so spe- he's he, spe- he really pushes, which I think is great. You know what I mean? And especially since we're moving into an age where those types of skills are more and more called for. If we're doing old canon, Coprush, conconi, Maxime works for those things. But if you're doing more modern repertoire, I want to make sure that I'm prepping at a way higher level than what I'm gonna get um, on a particular audition. So those Vern Reynolds, Gunther Schuller, Barbato books are gonna be really good introduction into that more modern repertoire. Um, as far as solo rep, um, certainly the Mozart's are really good. Mozart three I think is probably the easiest one, and especially because it's an introduction into transposition. There are F versions, but I do think that um, it is important to learn transposition at some point. Certainly I make all of my undergraduates do that. Um, Two and four are also good. They are a little bit more technically challenging. Um, but three is a really good one to start with. Um, Franz Strauss' Nocturno, fantastic. Ricard Strauss's Concerto Number no. 1, his Andante, which he wrote for his parents' anniversary, is quite beautiful. Um, really, really good. Um, the Beethoven sonata. Um, it's unfortunate that, um, it's interesting. I, I, Eric Rusk actually posed this question to me. He's like, how great do you think Beethoven thought this piece was if he didn't even have it finished by the day, time of the premiere? I was like, oh, dang, you just ruined that That's for really me. <laughs> like, clearly, he didn't care that much about it if it wasn't even completed at the end. Um, luckily, he had a really great horn player, Punto, who played the snot out of it. So, um, But the Beethoven Sonata is a good one. Glazunov Reverie, uh, Gilbert Vintner, uh, Hunter's Moon, um, Sesson, Morceau to Concert. Those are all really great standard pieces of repertoire. And the great part about them is they're all really great pieces of music. It's not just like, oh, here's High, Fast, Loud right? And I know we get kind of stuck on that as brass players, like those become bragging rights. And I can honestly tell you, I don't care if you play all the right notes, but if you sound not good doing it, it's not impressive. I'd much rather have you play a simpler piece and sound great and understand how to make a beautiful sound, play really thoughtful, intentional playing. That to me is way more um, impressive than a ton of notes. We can all learn how to do that. Um, but not everybody has the ability to really be creative and imaginative and intentional with what they want to say through music. And especially younger students, that's a skill that takes a little bit of time to develop. So, any way that you can show off, I understand what I'm saying and I have opinions and they are very clear, I think that's a really good way to catch a professor or an audition panel's um, attention. As far as. And if I could oh, just sure. add ahead, one sir. thing
1: to that, Jesse, I think a good barometer for that is how do non-musicians react to your performance? Absolutely. You know, so if you're playing it for your grandma or something like that, and you play something really hard and you mess up everything, like, she'll probably notice. But if you play something that's a little bit more in your wheelhouse and you nail it and you tell a story, that speaks volumes. And non-musical people can feel Mm -hmm. that and understand that. That's a great barometer to go by, too.
3: Yeah, and I would say even in Mirari concerts, like, no one ever comes up to me and like, wow, you play a lot of really great 16th notes. No one cares about that. You know, what people come up to us that I think are most meaningful is like, I actually teared up, or that really meant something to me. That's what you want to connect with your audience. You don't, it's kind of like when you go to Macy's during Christmas and you see all of the storefront, right? All, like all the windows, and they're beautifully done. I don't want to see all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes to make that happen. I just want to see the finished product. Um, and, And that's where I think really having an understanding of what that finished product should sound like is super, super important. You know, you have to have a story. If you don't understand what the piece is about, your audience sure isn't gonna understand. And every time we walk on stage, we have the absolute responsibility of educating our audience about the capabilities of music. And that's not through technique because most of those people in the audience aren't gonna pick up your instrument. Right, it's about how can we make people feel and connect to each other.
0: I wish people um, would tell me how well I played 60 notes because me and Matt sure do play a oh. heck of a lot of them.
4: <laughs> you guys do okay Anna. for sure. Right, we can okay. all tell okay. you. Okay, hey, hey, okay, I'll take that. that. That's a positive from a two-player <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, who barely rarely plays 16 notes. Y'all okay at that. Uh, I'm fine with it. How that's about a very win. rarely
4: in brass quintet? I
3: was going to say not Hayden. in brass quintet, but in solo. Let, <laughs> let, me, show, let me show
0: you some Mendelssohn. Let, let's right. go note for note on that one. <laughs> mm.
3: So, yeah, I mean, I think that, in, you know, I think really telling stories and, and having something behind the music is noticeable. It's noticeable. Um also, there's something to be said for when you come out and you perform it that you also show that you look like you know what you're doing when you come out um, as well. Um, but as far as orchestral rep, I think these are definitely good for high school going into undergrad till Eulenspiegel, till which is by Strauss, Brahms 1 and 3. There's some really beautiful lyrical um, solos in those. Uh, Tchaikovsky fourth symphony the opening and of course the beginning of the second movement which is probably one of the most famous and longest um, horn solos in all of um, orchestral repertoire Mendelssohn from Midsummer Night's Dream the Nocturne um, Shostakovich Five, the low 2d I couldn't do this in undergrad I sounded horrible on this um, so but if you're a good little player that could be something certainly to go for Beethoven symphonies three uh, 6 and 8, Franck, D minor, Dvorak, 9. Um, those are all some really, really great excerpts, I think, to to kind of dig into. There's also a, a, a website if you go to hornexcerpts.org. There's a whole bunch of rep there um, by composer, by piece. They give you the excerpt. And at the bottom, they also give you four, five, six recordings of that actual section of the piece. So you don't have to scroll through like I did on a CD player trying to find where the solo was. Now, you should listen to the whole thing because many times that in, there's another instrument that plays something similar and you need to know that. Um, and you of course want to show your panel that you have actually listened to the music <laughs> and you know what else is going on or you play with a flute, a cello, a tuba, whatever. Um, but that's a really great website to look at. Also, imslp.org is also a great place to get some music that is in the public domain. So you don't necessarily, if you're in a position where um, you don't have access uh, to a bunch of music, that's a p- great place to get some free music. Um, and a lot of these pieces, like I said, especially the ones that are in public domain, um, a lot of them are available through there.
0: I love that.
1: <laughs> okay, or I think Sarah. I'm next.
4: Oh, Stephanie's no, next. it's me. It's me. Stephanie, gonna talk And I'm going to talk, mo- talk about tuba, everybody's favorite instrument. And then I'm going to talk a bit about euphonium as well. And I think Sarah is mine. also going to pitch in a little bit on euphonium since we both teach euphonium so with tuba it's a little bit different uh in that especially with solo repertoire in order for us to play, especially in not necessarily in different styles, we got lots of contemporary music in different styles. But if we want to play music from different time periods, we have to steal music from other instruments. So a lot of what you'll hear me say is actually are pieces that aren't originally written for the tuba, but have been written for a different instrument that I have my students play and that I played as an undergrad and high school student. Because again, they address certain skills and like un- an understanding of the repertoire from that period that, you know, the. Contemporary music does not. So, in terms of etude and method books, again, I'm starting here um, with tuba. Uh, just similar to like what I think the trumpets mentioned, the Arben book. That's I think you could say that for every single brass instrument. Uh, yeah. Then I, I kind of divide my uh, in terms of what I'm using my with these etude books with students into whether it's a technical etude book or a lyrical etude book. Um, so, like, lyrical a two books that I love to use with the tuba players are actually the um, the Bordoni-Belcanto studies, but actually what I like to do even more than that is use the Rochu Melodious Etudes book, which is a trombone book, uh, and it has the same... Bordoni etudes basically in it but they're written in the trombone octave and the reason I like to use that with tuba players is because it gives them a really good experience reading down an octave so if you're a tuba player just get the Roshu book um, if, if you don't feel as though you're ready to you know really practice the reading down an octave then the Bordoni Belcanto studies this is basically the same um, I've also really really like this is for lyrical and technical playing but if for low register work, the Snedeker Low Toots book. It's fantastic. All tuba players need to practice the low range. It will benefit every single element or every single place you play on the horn. It doesn't quite work work the same with practicing high range things. So make sure you're really spending time down in the basement of the horn. The other thing you can do is take like, for example, the Roshu book and play it down two octaves. So again, working on that that way. Some technical books I really like, uh, and again these can work for high school or college students. Is the Terrell Advanced Studies, um, the Koprasch 60 Selected Studies, and the Blazevich 70 Studies. So all of those books I, I use with my students. And if you have if you have the Roshu slash Bordoni, the Snedeker Blazevich Koprasch and Terrell, you will be good to go for a very long time. Um, in terms of solo repertoire for uh, high school and college students there's uh, I'll kind of just go down the list the barat introduction and dance this actually is a piece a number of these work for both tuba and euphonium and also sometimes even trombone so the barat introduction and dance there's a version for tuba and there's a version for euphonium um that works a lot works on lyrical playing it also works on technical playing and r- the ability to read different subdivisions so into like sextuplets and um and like uh, again more notes per one beat uh the capuzzi adante and rondo is another good one as you the haddad suite for tuba. um what else do we have the von williams six studies an english folk song those are excellent for working on lyrical playing um, I think Matt forgot about that one. <laughs> uh, and then as you, get, as you get a bit older, then really we start diving into tuba concertos because again, those generally are written for higher level um, of playing. So Von Williams concerto, the Gregson concerto are the two kind of big ones I'd say that you probably start with. I also have very strong feelings about students playing unaccompanied pieces. I think it's really important that they get that experience as well. So for example, the Hartley unaccompanied a suite, the uh, the Persichetti Serenade number 12. Um, and then as you get a little bit more advanced, the Pendereschi Capriccio, uh, for tuba is those are that's all one of my exel- faves. Yeah, excellent, excellent piece. pieces. So that's that's kind of my spiel. I think I covered it all on tuba. Now, I as also I said, think you covered a lot of Sarah's repertoire as well. Well, that's the thing, it's a lot of it. it there is a lot of overlap. Oh, another solo for tuba players that I think I, I absolutely love and I have students work on it quite a bit is the Franz Strauss Nocturno, which, Jesse, you already mentioned originally for horn. And there is a tuba version out there as well. Um, OK, so for euphonium and Sarah, feel free to chime in whenever you feel, um, starting with those etude books. Again, the Roshu, right? There's actually three books. So taking a look at especially the first two, and then I don't know, Sarah, if you use the third with uh, – I don't, I don't even own the third. Um, the second can be good for later on. The etudes get very, very long, though. Uh, other lyrical etude books for euphonium would be the Fink Studies in Legato, which actually that exists for tuba as well, um, and the, sh- uh, the Shoemaker Legato Etudes for Euphonium. Uh, in terms of technical etudes, there's there's a few, again, as well. Um, the Clark Technical Studies, Koprash, uh 60 etudes for trombone. Uh, the Terrell, 40 progressive studies, again, for trombone. So, again, a lot of these are really going to overlap. The uh, Vern Reynolds, 48 etudes, and actually that works for tuba as well. I kind of forgot about that one. Um and the Blazevich, I like the clef studies for trombone as well. So those are kind of the etude books I think about for euphonium. Sarah, do you have anything you want to add to that, or do you want to kind of talk about it when you talk about trombone stuff?
1: Um, I would add the I don't think you said Arbins for euphonium, yeah. but that you know for all of our instruments that applies. And um, the Voxman collection of études yes. is
4: a nice collection too. Yes, sorry, I meant to say that one. That's a really good one, and they there's it goes through a number of different keys, which I also think is yeah. is a great way to get exposure for sure. Reading études in different keys, cool. So in terms of solos, again, the Barat introduction and dance has a euphonium version. I use that with younger students. The the Kapuzzi, once again. Um, uh, the Clark solos uh, work also, I mean, well, really well for uh, euphonium. Uh, what else do we have? As you, the, the Morso Symphonique, that's a, a popular one, it's a trombone solo, again, for, for euphonium. The the Horowitz Concerto is probably one of the first concertos I put in front of a lot of euphonium players. Um, the Gordon Jacob Fantasia is one of my favorite euphonium pieces, and what else do we have? Um, Mar- the Marcello the Haddad, yes, yeah, the Haddad Marcello sonatas are good for younger players in particular, um, and oh, we, I used actually the Telemann sonata and the trombone sonata in, in F minor for quite a bit for students as well. And then, of course, the unaccompanied things. Oh, I should have said this for the tuba unaccompanied. Um, The Bach cello suites. We use the Bach cello suites um, very, very, very frequently. So that's, uh, I'm sure there's more, and I'm forgetting. Oh, the Kleinard. The Kleinard Sonata. That's a really good one for unaccompanied euphonium. Sarah anything to add solo all right
1: yeah and if you feel overwhelmed with all of these names that we are rattling off we are going to put this on our website under resources so you can find all these listed out some of them are spelled differently than they sound so um, you could definitely check that out if you want um, to go ahead and purchase these or listen to recordings that kind of thing Okay, so, uh, yeah, I have, like, nothing left to say because <laughs> everything has been Sorry. listed already uh, by the other instruments. Oh, no, it's, it's, not, it's nobody's fault. It's just, it just goes to show that there is good rep out there that really serves the purpose well of, you know, orienting yourself to the instrument and, um, and learning to play musically. But um, I'll just reiterate for the trombonists. um, And and as far as euphonium rep, I don't think I have anything else to add that I didn't already add. So I'm just going to go ahead and talk about trombone. Um, We also use the Arbenz. If you're looking for like a routine book, which I would recommend for any high school or undergrad student to just follow along a routine because I think I'm going to... I might contradict what Jesse said here just a little bit because she said build your own routine. But I, I do think sometimes students will skip over things that they're maybe not as good at. I mean, I know I do that, you know. And so um, if you can find a book that forces you to go through slow slurs, fast slurs, multiple tonguing, high range, low range, like all the stuff you should be practicing that can be really beneficial. And I think the David Vining daily routines is really good for that. Um, I think they ha- he's got like a couple levels so if you're in a high school player Those are there's great. like a student yeah, yeah I completely There's a stu- agree. it's called for the student trombonist and he has these books for every brass instrument
4: yep.
1: um and then if you're a college player it's like just called for the tenor trombonist but i i love that book i often say that's like if i can only take one book with me you know on a on a trip or something that's a book i would take um the arbins of course works well for trombone um, I also like Brad Edwards books. He's got a ton of fantastic books that target um, different skills we need and the two books I would recommend um, as kind of top of the list are his Clef Studies and his Lipsler's Slurs book. Um, and then as far as um, etude books go for trombone, Bordoni Rochu book is fantastic. Um, that is a more of a lyrical book and it's kind of difficult. So some other books that would be a little bit simpler than that would be the Fink legato book, um, Chimera 55 studies are nice and short, and you can work on a lot of really nice phrasing things with those. Um, and then technical studies, I would just echo a lot of things that have already been said, but the Voxman book is good. Coprosh, Terrell, uh, Tyrell, these are all fantastic uh solos again i think most of these have already been mentioned but um for trombone the guillemont morceau symphonique uh, the sanson cavatine blazevich concert piece number five and telemon f minor sonata are great great um solos for you to play and i kind of most of my high school or my college trombonists i i try to get them to play all of these at some point so Um, there's a reason they teach you great things about the instrument they're very expressive they make you better so if you haven't played any of these I would definitely check them out they're they're great for like um, advanced high school or early college level but um, yeah so those are my thoughts on trombone repertoire and I think what I'm going to do is uh, transition to the next part of our podcast in which we're going to kind of do the same round table thing, but talk about um, what players or ensembles do you listen to, or what should, you know, uh, high school or college students be listening to if they want to get more exposure to great trumpet players, great horn players, or great brass ensembles. So um, I'd like you to each each member here to just list maybe five or so resources or names that our listeners can check out. They so can also listen to our the-
3: game changer episode. Cause we talked about a lot of really good rep exactly. on there too. Yes.
1: Yeah. Those were some specific pieces. And I think we're thinking with this one, like specific players or ensembles that sure. they can, people can listen to. So we'll start with trumpets again and
2: Mm-hmm. Go around the ensemble. Okay, real fast then. All right. We'll Love go back it. and forth, Payton. Ready? Let's do, do it, ready? artists. Five only, right? Okay. okay. Five so, total, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, five
0: total. Okay, here we go. Ready? Fine. Let's go. Ready? Go first. Uh,
2: I'm going to say right now in my on my iPod is Matthias Hoffs.
0: Ooh. I'm going to go to my uh, number one person of all time, and Matt, I think Matt's too. Phil Smith?
2: All right. Tom Hooten.
0: Yeah. Ooh. Uh, I want to go for Hokan Hardenberger.
2: Tina Ting. Yes. Hellset.
0: Is that five? That's five. That's five. Right. We nailed it. Look at us. Efficient. Right. So should we go right. on
3: to five No, syllabus, no, four, four? no. We oh, you're going to do the orchestra ones now? now? Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay, ready? Go for it. Quick. Uh,
2: I'm going to say Center City Brass Quintet. Ooh, look at and, that. And the Marari Brass Quintet.
0: Duh. Uh, <laughs> uh, New York Philharmonic.
2: Uh, Chicago Symphony all through the, like, 50s through 90s.
0: <laughs> I love it. Uh, I want to say Stockholm Chamber Brass.
2: Ooh, I'm going to say, get ready for it, uh, Black Dyke Brass Band. (gasps) Look at that. So
0: who's the most efficient? I think we are,
3: y'all. We done. Nice work, guys. That was awesome. Um, You'll probably hear a lot of similarities as far as ensembles, because I think we have a lot of the same taste. Um, I would say top five players there's a lot more of course than this but certainly my old teacher Jeff Nelson I literally think he's like one of the best horn players that's ever lived Um, and he's done everything solo playing uh, orchestral playing soundtracks Broadway he's just done everything Um, Katie Woolley she's a real young player she just won the job in the Concertgebouw principal there she's amazing Sarah Willis she plays in um, Berlin Jen Montone she's principal in Philadelphia um some kind of old school um like Dennis Brain he's like mid 20th century um he's probably the reason that Horn got so popular um but um I think those are Radek Barbarek he's a great one Andrew Bain Stefan Dor, and Rodovan Vlokovic. Those are a bunch of really, really great players that I really enjoy listening to them. Um, As far as ensembles, I mean, I grew up in New York. So the New York Phil is uh, that sound of Phil Myers is just that was what was permanently implanted in my ear. So that's that's always playing in my brain. Um, I grew the Center City. Those recordings are just spectacular. Um, Summit Brass. They're also quite good. Um, a lot of those are our old teachers, which is kind of neat as well. Minotzel Brass, I think, is also great as we're talking about virtuosity, um, some interesting things like that. But Berlin, L.A., Chicago, Concertgebouw, all those are really, really great ensembles. And remember, just because we're mentioning these doesn't mean that other ones aren't as good as this. These are just the ones that are probably at the top of our playlist.
4: Okay, I think it's my turn. So yes. quickly here, for tuba... The I'd say five soloists that I would listen to would be like Stephanie
3: Fry Clark, Ursula.
4: Do you say Ursula?
3: Ursa. I she meant Ursula
2: Fry Clark. Also the villain in the Little Mermaid
4: <laughs> and her album Ursa,
3: which is amazing. <laughs> all right, <laughs> so listen Oisin to Stephanie B- Fry Clark.
4: Oystein Bodzvik, Oystein Norwegian He's tuba okay. player. He's all right. Um, <laughs> Velvet Brown. Uh, tuba professor at Pe- uh, Penn. Yeah, there we go. Roland Sinpali, probably my all-time favorite tuba player. He's Hungarian. Um, Karel Jancz, fantastic. Uh, Philly, and just excellent, excellent soloist. Um, Sam Palafian is sort of the if you want a good old standard of jazz playing and just really creative playing. Um, Euphonium. There's and there's so many of these. It's hard to it's hard to narrow it down, but my, I'd say my all-time fav- favorite is Demondre Thurman. Um, Dave, Dave, yeah, David Childs, uh, fantastic. Uh, Lauren, uh, Veroni Curran, who's in, I forget which band now, but she's great. Uh, Jamie Lipton, also fantastic. Um, and then the group that I, I'm only going to add one group because y'all have mentioned, I think, a number of really great groups already. And this is particular to my instrument. And that would be Soto Voce, tuba euphonium quartet. If you want the like ultimate model of what a tuba euphonium quartet should sound like, you should listen to them. Sweet. Awesome. Thank you,
1: Stephanie. And I'll add a few things for trombone. Um, as far as euphonium, I think Hiram Diaz is also a fantastic player. Agreed. He sounds great, but my youth list, I uh, have the same names on it that Stephanie mentioned. Um, trombone players, I've favorite go-to is Joe Alessi, and he's fantastic, but I think it's really important to recognize that there's a lot of fantastic players out there and to diversify if he's the only person that you go and listen for. Um, Achilles of the Canadian Brass is a fantastic player and is playing a lot of cool rep that is a little bit off the beaten path. He makes his own arrangements. Uh, Jorgen van Ryan is a beautiful player, fantastically expressive. Um, Carol Jarvis, a, a British player is, uh, more of a jazzer. She's fantastic. Um, and a bass trombone, Randy Hawes, Jim Markey and Paul Pollard are all just fantastic players for different reasons too. Um. As far as ensembles, a few great trombone quartets are Four of a Kind and Bones Apart, that I would check out. Um, and another group I'm in, Trombo Team. You should check that out too. But anyways, yeah, that's my list for you there. And I think this brings us to our lightning round, Ooh. which is one quick. My question. hands are starting to sweat. Uh, completely unrelated to what we've been talking about today but this was a, a listener question what would you do if you were not in music so we're gonna go around the table try to keep it brief what would you do okay Next.
2: i think i would probably be uh i probably would have to an officer in the military <laughs> like my dad oh. probably
3: oh nice. i thought you would have done voice impersonations
2: I mean, you know, look, are we talking about dreams or are we talking about things we could actually do? Because I wanted to be <laughs> Jim Carrey.
0: But Stay tuned for the next episode where <laughs> Matt gives us more voices.
2: Realistically, I think I probably would be in the military right
1: now. Cool.
0: Uh, for me, honestly, I think I'd be a history teacher. I, I loved history a lot in high school. And Nerd! I Nerd! Know, Nerd. I, know, oh, I know, I know. I know. But I love history a lot. Even nice. like, I love music history. So, I mean, I don't want, we can't do anything music, but I would do regular history.
3: Okay. Awesome. I don't have interests outside of music. So that makes me kind of a little bit of a nerd, but I would love to be um, singing on Broadway. In fact, last night I stayed up till 1.30 in the morning watching Will Folly or Will
4: Rogers Follies. <laughs> So I originally was, or I am, I have a biology degree, so I have interests outside of music. <laughs> and I think, I know, I think if I were to be not doing anything like what I'm doing right now, I would have gone actually into policy for environmental science. So I wouldn't be making any more money. It'd just be a very different field. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, what would you nice. do?
1: Um, yeah, kind of similar Jesse. Like, I don't think I had a second choice for undergrad. Like, I was just like music all the way. But, um... If I had to pick another field, you know, I've always been active, like I've always done sports, gymnastics, swimming, and um, a bunch of things, running and stuff. So I think I'd be interested in like physical therapy, get into something like that where I could work with people and help them move better.
3: Awesome. Cool. And breathe better so they can play instruments.
1: Exactly. (laughs) I'd be a musical physical therapist. Yeah, there it is. Look at it. Mm -hmm.
3: Musicians only. That's right.
1: (laughs) Anyways, all right. So that's our pa- our podcast for
3: today. Thank you, everyone, who uh, we, turned in questions yes, and asked. Yeah, Keep yes. them coming. We're happy to answer.
4: Yeah, send them to the Marari, I think, Instagram Facebook page or yep. Facebook page or really anywhere. Email yep. one of us individually, or even you through our, our website. On our
0: contact page on our website. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: yep. Yes, we will answer your questions. And yeah. Hayden, could you wrap things up for us? I
0: don't. I'm not very good at wrapping. Um, I mean, <laughs> either like you can ask my wife for Christmas. Don't, I'm, don't. I'm horrible at that. Oh. Uh, and I don't want to rap without a W. Um, so good. You know, I always say every time we close podcasts, I say what? I ask if you're being
3: uh, healthy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, that works. What else do I say? Happy. 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 And like make that. sure you always stay, stay
2: on. I know. Unmuted.
0: See you guys in two weeks
3: Bye 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 bye